Pray with me. And so, Father, we thank you for the cross. Thank you for what it accomplished on our behalf. And Lord, we ask that in this moment that you would speak to us. Lord, bring transformation. That we would worship you as we should in light of your sacrifice. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, good evening. Uh, I'm Evan. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Central and uh, really glad to gather together on this momentous occasion. If you have your Bibles, you can meet me in Isaiah chapter 25. Isaiah chapter 25, verse 6 through verse 9 is where we will be in God's word. Why? Why do you celebrate someone being killed? I think about that question every now and then. Uh, that question was asked to me years ago from a friend who is not a Christian. Uh, he acknowledges the holiday. Uh, he's grateful for the time off from work, uh, but Christianity uh, isn't his thing. Uh, and we get to connect periodically to catch up on life, and he peppers me with questions, and I pepper him with questions, and uh, it's a good time of mutual respect within opposing worldviews. And on one occasion, he asked me, why do you celebrate someone being killed? Uh, he said, uh, it seems morbid to me. I appreciated the question for several reasons. Uh, one reason is that it challenged me in a good way to do what the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 3.15, to be prepared to give a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in us, yet with gentleness uh, and respect. I'm really resonating with those, that last phrase more and more these days. In other words, be prepared to give the why. Why do we come together and take this moment to observe, to ponder, to survey this awful, gruesome moment in history? Isn't it morbid? An assumption in our culture is that Christianity is simply about being a good person, like any religion. So if Christianity is simply uh, about a relatively good person talking to relatively good people about how to be relatively better, the crucifixion might seem extreme. Because you can be a good person without the crucifixion, can't you? It makes me think of rubbernecking. Uh, have y'all ever heard that term before, rubbernecking? I typically use that term when I'm driving on the highway. Uh, have you ever been driving on the highway and suddenly traffic builds up and, and you start going at a snail's pace? Uh, you know, stop and go traffic and you're trying to figure out if it's an accident or construction and then you realize that there is an accident but it's on the other side of the highway. 
Uh, and then you realize that you're in stop and go traffic because people are slowing down to look at the disaster on the other side of the median. That's rubbernecking. Stopping and looking at something that has nothing to do with you. Now, if you want to see my need for sanctification, just ride with me on the highway in traffic. I, I, I need God's grace when I'm in traffic, uh, but especially uh, when I know people are rubbernecking. Uh, yes, okay, it, it's a tragedy. There's a tragedy. You, you can even pray for them. Go ahead and pray for them, but don't slow down traffic on this side of the highway because you want to stop and look. The tragedy has nothing to do with you. That's how we treat the crucifixion. Sure, some of us will acknowledge that it's a tragedy. It's horrific what happened to Jesus. But that doesn't have anything to do with me. Uh, that, that's not in, in my lane. I should be able to keep on going without any disruption to my life. Why is Good Friday good if it's just focusing on a horrific event? Good Friday stands as a reminder that the tragedy is in our lane. It has everything to do with us. No one is good enough. No one is righteous. No, not one. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. The cross is the greatest display of divine disruption to the brokenness of this world. Jesus died to bring disruption, to bring salvation, to bring reconciliation, to bring all things into alignment with his glory. To make this point, the prophet Isaiah uses the imagery of a mountain. Throughout scripture, mountains were often symbolic of pivotal moments in the history of God's people. Noah's Ark, after the flood, rested on a mountain. The people received the Ten Commandments on a mountain. Moses saw the Promised Land and the people blessed God as they prepared to enter it on a mountain. Solomon built the temple on a mountain. Jesus preached his most prolific sermon on a mountain. He was transfigured on a mountain. God seems to use mountains to accentuate significant moments in his grand redemptive story. And the prophet Isaiah picks up on this in chapter 25. He talks about another mountain, the mountain. Let's read about it together in verse 6 through verse 9. He, he says, On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. 
we have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. A lot was accomplished on this mountain. A feast has happened on this mountain. The overcast of sin and death was swallowed up on this mountain. Tears are wiped away from faces on this mountain. Our reproach, our disgrace, our sin was removed on this mountain. And so, we look. We take a moment to behold, this is our God. This is the Lord. The crucifixion is gruesome because the sin and brokenness of this world is gruesome. You feel it, don't you? Don't you feel your helplessness in it? No matter if you're gifted, smart, healthy, rich, powerful, educated, capable, woke, you know you can't solve all of this. On your best day, you can't get a handle on all this mess. It's suffocating. It's crushing. If you just really sit with it. But there is one who has come. And he didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. He came to make enslaved people free. He came to conquer. He was despised. He was crushed. He suffered under the weight of our sin and our brokenness because he knew that we could never hope to stand under it. And so, we look. We take this moment to slow down and look. But the tragedy of the cross is not a tragedy that's over there. But we, we don't look as if it's a disaster that has nothing to do with our lane. No, it's, this is not rubbernecking. We behold. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. This divine disruption has happened because of us and for us. And so in a moment, we will read the final moments of what happened on this mountain. We will hear the betrayal, the wounds, the humiliation of our Savior as he made his way to Calvary's mountain. And you will be invited to listen, to, to sit with, and surrender to the reality of what Christ has done on your behalf. There will be six readings taking us through the final moments of Jesus and the crucifixion. And the invitation that is set before us is to see. See from his hands his head, his feet, sorrow and love flow, mingle down. This was on our behalf. And so we behold this mountain knowing that it comes with demands 
in our lane for our lives. Love so amazing, so divine, yet it, it demands my soul, my life, my all. Let's pray. Crucified Savior, on this dark day, it, it almost seems crass and opportunistic to think of your death as an advantage to us. What a tragedy. And yet, we call this Friday good because your death, because through your death, our old selves are crucified, put to death, buried with you, and no longer rule. Lord, today, would you disrupt us that we would dedicate our lives as an offering of gratitude to you. Teach us to lament yet be glad and rejoice in your salvation. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.